This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Will Robles and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show with your boy, Jonathan. It is December 1st, 2019. I'm recording this about 9 o'clock p.m., just a few minutes ago, the telecast for Fox Sports Florida ended, so I wanted to hop on here. <clears throat> it's been kind of a long week, uh, four games that we're going to cover pretty briefly here tonight. I just want to start by saying I hope everybody had a happy, safe Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm getting complaints of no sound. Uh, not sure if anyone else is having that problem. If you are, please let me know in the chat. On my end, it looks like all of the sound is coming through, so I'm not quite sure what's going on there. And it, I, uh, my live recording, uh, the audio is coming through as well. Yeah, so there, there is sound. So, uh, Jalen, Raby, uh, you have sound now. Okay, perfect. So where was I? Oh, I hope everybody had a great, uh, you know, safe Thanksgiving. Ate lots of food. Uh, now we're heading into the the Christmas season, as you can see. In my household, we waste no time. We already have the Christmas tree up in the background. The lights are on the house, and uh, we are are ready to go. So, um, yeah, it, it's been a long week. Uh, I do want to just briefly talk about you know the games from this past week, and then we'll talk a little bit about tonight. Uh, but really, um, the main thing that's on my mind right now is is just Aaron Gordon um, and just. How his play and and some other things that we'll get to have just been kind of disappointing so far to start the season. So, uh, but as good as a as a place as any uh, to start is going to be Monday, the uh, lost the loss in Detroit against the Pistons, one hundred three to eighty eight, and it has been a long crazy week. So give me a moment here to to pull up the box score as my my memory on this uh, on this night is very fuzzy. So being without Vooch, of course, uh, this team has just struggled to score, and, and that's evident in the, the point total for the Magic in this game, 88-103. to 103. Uh, Looking at the box score uh, for Detroit, looking at Luke Kennard with 20 points, Blake Griffin with 17 points, Bruce Brown with 13 points, Langston Galloway with 12 points, uh, hitting four threes in that game. We've got guys like uh, Mihailuk with 12 points, Christian Wood with 12 points. Then going down the box score for the Orlando Magic, we've got Terrence Ross with 19 points, Evan Fournier with 17 points, Markel with 16, and then we've got Jonathan Isaac uh, with 10 points, and, and no other Magic scores were able to, to cross the double-digit mark. Uh, really, the, the the main thing with me, guys, right now, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, uh, this, this week's show is, is going to be a little bit different from the way that we usually do things. I'm just kind of uh, feel. I I got a weird vibe going on. Um, however you want to call it. So just just a fair warning here. Um, but lately, to me, um, the not the not the result of these games. I don't want to say the result of these games don't matter because every result matters. We need wins. Um, but I just feel like how how many weeks now has it been where you know a month in a couple weeks into the season now, and we, we still have the same issues. Without Vucevic on the floor, we struggle to score the basketball. Even when Vuce is on the floor, we have times where the ball is moving so well, we're getting great looks, we're knocking down shots, 
And then it just seems like over and over again, the bench comes in and all of that stops. The starters come back in. We just never really get that same rhythm back. Uh, And that's just evident again and again and again. Moving on to Wednesday's night against the Cavaliers. Took care of business in Cleveland. Won the game 116-104. to Evan Fournier. Can't say enough about Evan. We'll talk more about Evan in just a couple of minutes here. Uh, Over the last eight games, averaging 24.5 points. Since Vucic has gone out uh, these last five or or six games now, uh, Evan has just completely taken over, uh, shooting the ball incredibly well, uh, not only in this last stretch, but the entire season so far. And is just doing everything that he can to try to keep this team, uh, you know, our head above water as we go through this stretch where we were without... Vooch, where we were without Aaron Gordon. Now, the the news came out today that Al Farouk Aminu has suffered a torn meniscus and is out indefinitely. Uh, he's had one opinion so far. He's going to get a second opinion board, uh, before deciding, uh, you know, whether or not he needs to have surgery. So uh, we wish the chief, you know, all the the best of health. We wish you know him a, a quick recovery and everything like that. Uh, but the depth that we saw on paper to start this year is very, very quickly running out, right? Uh, I, we, we talked about the injury to, to Michael Carter-Williams last week. Uh, he has, he's been out, it feels like, a little over a week, maybe a week and a half now uh, with that left, left hip irritation. We've had Jonathan Isaac, who's missed a few games. Uh, Mo Bamba is not yet able to play on back-to-backs. Um, Vooch with a, with a lateral sprain. Aaron Gordon with an ankle contusion. Everything just, the, the injuries just keep racking up and racking up. Uh, but going back to the game against Cleveland, we did get 15 points, four assists, three rebounds out of Markel Fultz, 16 points, seven rebounds, three steals, a block out of Jonathan Isaac, 15 points off of the bench from Mo Bamba, five of five from three, and we also got 16 points. Um, off of uh, the bench from Terrence Ross. So a couple of quick things uh, about this You know, last, I want to say, four or five game stretch since Vooch has gone out. Maybe it's been six games now, counting the game tonight with the Warriors. It's just Mo Bamba, how great, not maybe not great, but how much better Mo Bamba has been playing. I'm going to pull up his, uh, his game logs right now so that we can really take a, a better look at, at the last few games out of Mo. Let's see. They, the latest they have here uh, is the other night from Toronto. They don't have uh, tonight's numbers up quite yet. Uh, but going back to the game against Detroit the other night, six points, but 12 rebounds. And when you're playing against guys like Blake Griffin, uh, Andre Drummond, you know, big bodies like that, he's pulling down, you know, man's rebounds. Uh, you know, he's playing with a lot of energy, which is a thing that we've all been begging for uh, to see that motor. Uh, and, it, and it's a little bit too early to say for sure, but it definitely looks like he's getting there. And then the win uh, at Cleveland, 5 of 5 from the 3, 15 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 blocks. And then uh, the other night against the Raptors, uh, 11 points, 7 rebounds, 2 blocks. And, and uh, those, yeah, and yeah, 2 blocks. So, uh, yeah, Mo Bamba just is getting there, right? Uh, we've been saying that he's essentially still a rookie. He's yet to even play 82 games, uh, 82 you know NBA regular season games due to the you know the stress fracture that he had last year. So he's getting there. Just everybody needs to stay patient. Too many people out there 
uh, when a guy starts playing well, you know, they say it's time to trade him or it's this or it's that. Just look at Evan Fournier and the way that he's playing this year. Uh, But Mo, I I feel more and more confident um, as time goes on that the kid is going to figure it out, that he's going to be, you know, um, a solid NBA player at the very least. If he's able to realize his potential, that's going to be a huge deal for the Orlando Magic as we look at the young core right now that we have with Markel Fultz, Mo Bamba, and Jonathan Isaac. So we seem to be in pretty good shape there. All right, so moving on to to Friday's game, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. This is already the third time that the Toronto Raptors Excuse me. Um, I just had some uh, some Arby's. Everybody out there listening to the show right now, if you're in your car, if you're driving to work, or if you're listening right now, don't stop listening. But as soon as you're finished listening to this episode, if you have not gone to Arby's and tried the uh, the barbecue chicken King's Hawaiian slider, do yourself a favor and check that out. Um, you will not be disappointed. I just slammed about two of those bad boys. I've got a, a five-piece jalapeno popper and a small fry sitting here that I'm going to crush as soon as I'm done with this episode. If you're a fan of jalapeno poppers, also do not sleep on Arby's jalapeno poppers. They are fire. They're not that spicy, uh, but they come with this sauce called bronco berry sauce. It's some kind of berry jelly with, I think it's habanero flakes in it or something like that. It's not really that spicy, but it just takes the jalapeno poppers to another level. Back to what I was saying about the Toronto Raptors. So this is the third time already this season that we played them, and the Magic fell 83-90. to So they actually played some of the best defense that we've seen them play the entire year. Toronto Raptors are a great team. Um, I think after the result of this game, they're sitting at 14-4. and They're second or third right now as far as the standing goes in the Eastern Conference, even without Kawhi Leonard. I mean, we have done a pretty good job, I feel like, playing Pascal Siakam so far throughout the year, finished with 10 points and 13 rebounds in this game. Um, But apart from that, I mean, they, they just have so many guys that are able to break you down off of the dribble and get their own shot. Everybody thought that, myself included, that losing... Kawhi Leonard, this team is going to take a huge step back. Now, when it comes down to the playoffs and you really need a superstar, a guy that can just go and get you a basket when you absolutely need it, that remains to be seen. We'll wait to see if Siakam you know, will be able to be that guy or Fred Van Vliet or one of these other guys will be able to step up and be that guy. They've also had um, you know, an injury to Serge Ibaka, and they've had other guys like Chris Boucher that's been able to step up last year's G League MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. You don't hear that too often, but he's you know stepped up, and uh, at least against us, he, he's played pretty well. But as we go down and we look at guys uh, like Fred Van Vliet, 22 points, and then Norman Powell with a career-high 33 points on 12 of 18 shooting just took over in that second half and just killed any chance that the Magic had of getting back into that game. Looking at the Magic, I'm looking at Evan Fournier with 19 points. 3 of 9 shooting, made his living from the free throw line this night. 12 of 14 from the free throw line. Markel Fultz, another 15-point performance. uh, Shot 5 of 12 from the floor. And then we we just didn't really get much of else uh, from anyone. Uh, Mo Bamba ended up with 11 points on 4 of 6 shooting. Uh, But without Vooch uh, and without, I mean, I really think that we know Markel Fultz is on a minutes restriction. But if this team was just able to unleash him and let him play, you know, 33, 34 minutes, maybe he's not quite healthy enough to do that yet at this point. 
But if we were really able to do that and to flesh out what an offense would look like with Markel Fultz, Jazzo is just saying how they use the G League. We should do the same. Yeah, I definitely think um, the Magic right now, they do a pretty good job with the G League. You know, we've had a few NBA players that have come out of the Lakeland Magic. Uh, we're looking at guys like Isaiah Briscoe, Troy Coppain. Uh, we're also looking at like Emil Jefferson. Wes Awundu has spent some time with, with Lakeland as well. So I feel like they do a good job. Um, but outside of, you know, Chris Boucher, uh, maybe a few other guys, we're, I still don't feel like the NBA uh, and especially the G League is at the point where, let's say, like the MLB farm system is at, like the minor leagues, right? I don't think that the NBA is at that level yet where you can draft a, a young guy, you know, let him play four or five years in the minors and then bring him up and he can just kind of instantly contribute um, to an NBA team. I think baseball is just a little bit different uh, as far as that goes, where sometimes it might not be as apparent what a player's real potential is. Um, and the time that it takes to uh, invest into that player to develop those skills um, physically as well, um, I feel like, I mean, maybe just the, you know, the MLB, um, I'm not a huge baseball expert I'm not claiming to be anything like that but um, I just don't think the NBA is at that point yet I feel like they have a pretty good handle on the guys as they're coming out of high school as they're coming out of college heck we we've got you know draft projections for you know freshmen and, and sophomore high school players already eighth graders you know where they're going to be drafted um, you know in their prospective you know draft classes already so um, I just feel like the NBA and basketball is just kind of more apparent early on how good a player you know really is going to be you know um, you don't have too many guys drafted you know in the second round that that come out and um, ever amount to much of anything uh, but if you look at the MLB draft I think the later you know you go in the those drafts uh, it might be a little bit easier to find kind of players that were missed on but um, yeah we could definitely do a better job though developing players uh, in the G League and maybe eventually you know we will we will kind of get to that point um, but back to my point about Markel Fultz. I just feel if he was healthy enough and this team was really able to unleash him, his ability to to get into the paint and not only score, but once he's there, find open teammates, um, you know, draw help from other defenders and get other guys good looks. That would really be such a big help right now um, as far as this offense, you know, bogging down. Looking, you know, at Markel Fulton, you know, what he's able to do so far uh, this season. I know he's been one of the most efficient players in the league at, uh, at you know, getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. So a few more opportunities, a game for him to do that. I think we could see him get into the, you know, 20s uh, on a pretty consistent basis. But uh, Evan Fournier, man, this guy has just been playing so well so far this season, has been really trying to keep us afloat. Um, but yeah, as far as, um, you know, the magic trying to get back into this game, Norman Powell, huge second half, uh, and the magic just couldn't get enough offensive firepower. Most nights in the league, if you hold a team, especially a team as good as the Toronto Raptors to 90 points, you're going to have a chance to, to win the game. Um, but without Vooch, uh, and you know, without other guys, you know, really contributing at a high level, talking about guys like, you know, maybe an Aaron Gordon or, uh, you know, Terrence Ross, DJ Augustine, uh, Al Farouk Aminu, a guy that uh, a lot of people had high expectations, uh, when we signed him as far as what he was going to be able to contribute to that second unit. And a lot of times, uh, including this game against the Raptors, he just looks completely lost, um, missing open looks at the rim, 
uh, missing, you know, touch attempts, hook shots, and things like that in the painted area. Missing, you know, wide open threes. The other night, I think he shot a three, and it just like he 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 might have been shooting that ball with his eyes closed, as far as I'm concerned, because it was just terrible. But um, obviously, you know, a lot of people already know. Talked a few minutes ago about how he has suffered a torn meniscus uh, that he actually tore in this game. I think he uh, went up to uh, challenge Pascal Siakam's shot, came down, landed awkwardly, uh, had some initial pain, and then that pain kind of um, persisted, you know, through through yesterday. So I woke up this morning to learn that Al Aminu uh, is out indefinitely with uh, a torn meniscus as well. So we have a question coming in right now from the Twitch chat. Said, "Do you think the right strategy to compensate the chief injury is to increase the minutes of the starters, or divide with two other players like a BJ Johnson and Emil Jefferson?" Great question. Great question. So this is something that I've been kind of looking into, you know, pretty recently, and I think Will and I mentioned this last week on the podcast. If you go back to uh, Steve Clifford's, you know, first stint as a head coach in Charlotte, right? Um, apart from the first couple of years where he had, you know, Kemba Walker and Al Jefferson, those guys were really the only guys on the team that averaged at about 35 minutes per game. The rest of the other starters, for the most part, uh, typically averaged between 30 and 31 minutes. And as he went, you know, through his tenure as the Hornets coach, you started to see Kemba Walker's minutes kind of come down a little bit to that 33 to 32, I think maybe even 31 minutes per game. So unfortunately, I just think that's part of Steve Clifford's philosophy is that uh, he doesn't you know, play his starters heavy minutes for whatever reason. Um, we had David Tenney on the, my, my buddy Cobra Joe is watching me in the shower. That is really weird, bro. But what's up? You shouldn't tell people that that's very, very awkward, but I, I, I appreciate it. I think you're paying me a compliment. Maybe that's supposed to be flattering. I, I appreciate that, but it's a little bit weird, but you're the man. Um, but I just think that it, you know, bringing in, you know, David Tenney, he was on the pod squad last week talking to Dante and Jeff and, and David Steele and those guys, um, just talking really about, uh, the load management approach, um, that has been kind of being implemented around the league. So I don't know if Steve Clifford's philosophy really has anything to do with that at all. Uh, but going back to, you know, his, his Charlotte days, he really just doesn't play, his starters heavy minutes for whatever you know the case may be. Now we've got guys, you know, Markel Fultz, who I believe is 21 years old, Jonathan Isaac, who's 21 years old, Aaron Gordon's 24 years old. Uh, you know, we've got you know Mo Bamba, who's still you know re- re- very you know young and early in his career, but due to the injury that he had last year, a lot of people believe that he's on a minutes restriction. But then we've got some vets, right, like Evan Fournier, who I believe is getting close to 30. DJ Augustine, who's over 30. Terrence Ross, who I believe is 29 or 30. Al Farouk Aminu, who I believe is 29 or 30. So there might be some belief there that uh, as got these guys kind of get into their 30s that maybe you need to you know, temper the minutes a little bit. But the young guys, I feel like those guys can you know rest in the offseason. Um, they've got plenty of en- you know energy and uh, great conditioning, all of that good stuff. So I would like to see this, the minutes of the starters increase a little bit just because of the fact that, um, and we've preached this over and over and over and again on the show this year, is that when the bench unit comes in for whatever reason, um, 
I, I love DJ Augustine. Um, I had a lot of confidence in him coming into this season that he was going to really do well. I thought he was going to hold off Markel um, from taking over the starting job until about Christmas time. Now, Markel Fultz is playing much better than I had anticipated. But DJ Augustine just has really been disappointed, uh, disappointing. Excuse me, so far this year, uh, especially with that second unit. He just seems to pound the ball and pound the ball and pound the ball. Drives into the lane, never finishes at the rim just because he doesn't have the size or the athleticism to do so. Uh, and or a lot of times he's taking like a fadeaway jumper in the lane or throwing that you know behind the back pass to try to get it back to somebody out on the perimeter that just never really seems to get the ball uh, in what they call the pocket, a shooter's pocket, the place that he likes to catch the ball so that he can just go right up into his shot to get a good look. Those behind-the-back passes always seem like these guys are having to reach down to the ground or kind of reach off to the side to, to grab those passes, and they're just not able to get into their shot you know, effectively and efficiently. So I, would, I really hope that he would stop doing that. But um, at times it just feels like, I used to be kind of critical about this with Tobias Harris that uh, sometimes it just felt like uh, the offense just completely stopped when the ball was in his hands at times. And I never felt like that uh, with DJ when it came to the starting unit. But now maybe he, since he's with the bench unit, he feels the need to assert himself more offensively. Maybe he's trying to prove something to Coach Clifford that you know he deserves to start. I, I really don't know what the case is. I just know the fact that DJ comes in with the bench unit really has trouble guarding a lot of other, you know, second string point guards, which given his age, his size, his athleticism might be expected. But uh, when we have guys that are just basically running freely to the rim, or if there is a pick and roll, uh, the, the center basically has to just kind of wait and, and watch to see what's going to happen to kind of react. Part of that is also Steve Clifford's philosophy. It just seems like he wants his centers to kind of sag off and not hedge or help as much on the pick and rolls. But these guys come off the pick and rolls. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about TJ McConnell just getting right into the lane and hitting those mid-range jumpers again and again and again and killing us. But it's not only that. It's guys getting right to the rim. It's guys, you know, as other guys come in to help the center, uh, they're kicking it out to guys who are getting open threes. And that's another thing with this team is just the fact that I'll have to one day sit down and really look at the stats uh, for this year in comparison uh, to last year. But the fact that uh, it just seems like these teams are, are just continually getting open threes because we're overhelping when you know players get into the lane or drivers get into the lane and they're trying to finish at the rim. You're welcome for the answer, man. Uh, great question, by the way. Uh, but going back to, to what you said, seeing other guys like B.J. Johnson or Emil Jefferson, um, I'm not a big fan of seeing those guys come in just because of the fact that uh, – I just I'm not confident in their abilities quite yet. I don't think that Emil Jefferson is a long-term um, NBA rotation player. You know, playing you know 17 to 20 minutes a game. I just don't think that he'll get there. B.J. Johnson, same thing. I just don't think that right now. And I could be wrong, but right now I don't think he's a legitimate NBA rotation player. So I think they would just kind of hurt the bench unit, you know, and at this point, you know, we might kind of have our hands tied because of the fact that um, we do have so many injuries that have, you know, occurred on this team so far that are really uh, hurting the, the bench depth. But we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see uh, how, you know, they, they play in practice and um, Clifford's, um, you know, confidence in them and everything like that. Um, excuse me. That uh, that Arby's uh, chicken sliders got me a, a little uh, burpy right now. But, um, yeah, I thought it was kind of telling. Uh, 
about you know the fact tonight that we didn't see Lemiel Jefferson, that uh, you know Clifford decided really to go uh, with you know Wessa Wundu and and play you know Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon, uh, you know with with the bench unit and a little bit of Kem Birch. So um, yeah, I don't know. Really, time will tell though. Uh, but let's talk about tonight's game just just a little bit here. So uh, it felt like the Magic have not beat the Warriors in a long, long time, right? You know, ever since Ste- Steph and Clay and Draymond, and then eventually Kevin Durant came along. You know, Andre Iguodala, uh, Sean Livingston, all those guys just felt like we have not beat them in a long time. Uh, we've had uh, you know chances to beat them. You know, in Golden State, we've had chances to beat them at the Amway Center, but it just never really happens. Um, but coming into tonight, it felt like we really had a, a good shot at that. As everyone knows, Kevin Durant has moved on to uh, more northern pastures, residing now in Brooklyn with the Nets. Uh, Clay Thompson uh, tore his ACL last year in the NBA Finals. He's not expected to play this year. Uh, and then Steph Curry broke his, uh, I think it was his left hand, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So he is going to be reevaluated, I think, again in January. And then uh, D'Angelo Russell coming into tonight had missed the previous seven games with a sprained hand as well. He did not play either. I think Draymond Green has also been getting kind of a little uh, like load management, if you will. They know that they're not winning the NBA Finals this year. They know that they're not going to be really all that competitive. uh, So they're giving him rest when he can. I think that's got to be such a weird feeling for them, right? That they've been so competitive and so dominant for so long. And it's just, I mean, every dynasty comes to an end. I don't think the Warriors dynasty is at an end uh, because once they get healthy again, I think they're going to retool and they'll be really good again. But uh, as dynasties kind of, you know, go through their phases of not being quite the same team, it almost never just drops off a cliff the way that it has with this team. And, and it is because of the fact that, you know, it's, it's, you know, a lot of injury related, but coming into this game, you know, it felt like we did have a good chance uh, to win this game. And that's exactly what we did. Magic win 100 to 96 over the Golden State Warriors in the Amway Center tonight. Huge game out of Evan Fournier, 32 points, matching a career high, 14 points, nine assists out of Markel Fultz. He shot six of 12 from the floor. Jonathan Isaac, 14 points, 4 of 9 from the floor. Aaron Gordon, 8 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 5 from the free throw line. 19 points off of the bench from Terrence Ross. He added three threes. So really, uh, you know, we we got the usual guys uh, that we really need uh, to contribute outside of Aaron Gordon. Uh, And we're going to get to that. I mentioned that uh, we were going to talk about Aaron Gordon, and we are going to right after we talk about this game. Um, But just, yeah, huge night out of Evan, great night out of Isaac Fultz, uh, great night out of Terrence Ross. But really what this comes down to, um, and it was really just kind of disappointing because this is a team that, um, even given the injuries to the Magic, the Magic should have won this game and won this game comfortably, probably by about like 9 to 11 points, you would think. I don't know what the spread was before this game. I, I should have taken a look at that. I'm not sure if I can I can find that at this point. But, um, yeah, this just feels like a game that even you know with the guys that were missing, the Magic should have put this team away uh, pretty easily. Uh, but we've got Eric Pascal adding 17 points. Glenn Robinson, the third, 19 points. Alex Burks, 15 points. 
uh, Bowman, I think his first name is Keon, never seen the guy before. Uh, they were talking about the fact that had there not been these injuries to D'Angelo Russell, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, a lot of these guys would be playing in Santa Cruz for the Santa Cruz Warriors in the G League. So we're playing against G League teams, uh, team essentially tonight, right? And the fact that we let them hang around uh, for so long was just really kind of disappointing. Um, and and really what I feel like a lot of the blame uh, should be on is going to be guys like DJ Augustine, Wessel Wundu, Aaron Gordon, guys that had such a big hand in a lot of the success that we had uh, last year that for the most part, largely so far to start this year, um, have struggled, right? Especially Aaron Gordon. Um, and I, 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 I guess I'll kind of use this uh, as a segue to start talking about Aaron Gordon. Um, no, before I do that, let me talk about Evan Fournier, right? Evan Fournier, even from me, from me and Will, from the Six Man Show, from Magic Twitter, Magic Facebook, Magic Reddit, Magic fans all over the world took so much crap last year, and deservedly so, right? It just was not the same guy you know, that we were accustomed to. Um, at times was forcing things way too much, which, to be fair, he still does at times. But just shot the ball, you know, very poorly last year. I think it was somewhere around, you know, 30% where uh, for most of his career, I believe, he's probably around uh, like a, you know, 38, you know, yeah. For his career, he shoots 37% uh, from the three-point line. And going back to last year, let's take a look at that. So last year, shot 34% from the three-point line. A pretty significant drop-off from the 37 that we're accustomed to, and especially the 38 uh, you know, 37.9 from the year before. So Evan Fournier, at times it just felt like, man, we just, we're not getting the scoring that we're accustomed to out of this guy. We're not getting the shooting that we're accustomed to. He would have wide open looks and was just missing them. And recently he was doing a, a, a interview with uh, John Denton. I believe it was in either after practice or post game. Uh, and they were asking him about his shooting because he's been shooting the ball so well so far to start the year. And he alluded to the fact that there were some personal things that were going on, you know, in his life, his you know private life, that kind of led to the reason that he shot the ball so poorly. Now, to start the year, I, you know, I believe, you know, to the best of my abilities, I've given Evan pretty fair criticism, right? I've said over and over and over again, and my wife tried to call me out on this tonight because I tweeted out, no more Fournier slander after he hit that huge shot over Draymond Green that should have been an and one uh, in the the last you know moments of that game uh, to to give us a little bit more of a lead to try to close that game out. Um, but I have been critical of Evan at times, and I feel like it's completely fair. I feel like it is warranted criticism, where when he plays within himself. And when I say that, I mean if he gets the ball at the top of the key, if he's making a quick decision either to pass the ball or to just take the ball and drive right to the rim, usually that has a good result. He usually either gets to the rim, has a good chance to finish, finds an open man, or if he shoots the ball, he's shooting the ball such a high clip right now. It's a very efficient decision, basically. However, when he hesitates... When he takes a dribble and then just kind of backs it up and then decides to run into the pick and roll or then decides to drive into the lane, that's when I feel like he's more of a predictable player. Other players are able to get in front of him. Defenders are able to get in front of him. And then a lot of times he either you know, tries to, to force a bad pass that 
you know ends up in a turnover or he sh- you know throws up a, a you know pull up jumper or an ill advised runner that you know he misses or or whatever the case may be. Um, a lot of people have criticized him about at times it seems like he'll kind of tunnel vision on Vucevic. Uh, other teams seem to pick up on that as well, which leads to turnovers. Sometimes he will just completely look off. Uh, People listening to the podcast can't see what I just did, but if you're watching on Twitch, you can see what I just did. But he'll look off a wide-open three-point shooter. All of these things can be very frustrating, and I think that's where um, a lot of people's frustration comes with Evan Fournier. But at this point in the season, you know, especially the last you know eight-game stretch, most of that you know we've been missing Vooch and Aaron Gordon. Um, the last eight games, he's averaging 24 and a half points per game. So the way that he's been playing this season, no more Fournier slander. I posted that on Twitter, and I'll I'll repeat that again. That is just that's those are the rules right now, at least for a while. The guy is playing so well, he's playing so hard right now, and he is the biggest reason that this team has been even competitive. You know, while we're missing, you know, these guys that that are out. So uh, just just great year from Evan. Looking at last year. 15.1 15.1 points per game, shot 43.8% from the floor, shot 34% from the three-point line. So far to start the year in 18 games, he's averaging 18.4 points per game, shooting the ball 46.5 from the floor, and shooting 41% from the three-point line. This guy, it just whenever Evan gets the ball, especially in one of those short corners, you just know that the, it, the ball is going in. So just a little, uh, little, little golf clap. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but uh, just kudos to Evan, man. The guy is is playing his heart out right now. He's really killing it. Um, he's been a lot of fun to watch uh, so far to start the year, and, and just keep it going. Now, the player that I'm I'm going to get to. Actually, I have a question in the chat here from Jazzo Best. It says I hate how conservative this front office is. We should sign Jamal Crawford by now. We need him. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence about Jamal Crawford. You know, a guy that I believe by now is in his late 30s. Um, I know just last season playing for the Phoenix Suns, he did score 51 points. Um, you know, but we've seen plenty of scoring outbursts. You know, come from that team in the the likes of of Devin Booker. Um, you know, th- I, the reason that I say that is points don't always um, add up to wins. Now, what I will say is that. If the only thing that we were getting from Jamal Crawford was positive offense, I would be all for it, right? And the vet, the veteran presence that he would bring to this locker room um, that I think we could definitely use some more of. But the thing that I'm concerned about right now is what is Jamal Crawford going to give you defensively? And I just don't know that if he, you are giving him the ball in the second unit and you're really just telling him, you know, go for it. Because that's what Jamal Crawford is best at, right? In his prime is give, he, he, before it was the Lou Williams award, it was the Jamal Crawford award. He was, he was the sixth man, right? But um, back in those days, you were giving him the ball and, you know, he's got incredible handles, shot making ability, the ability to create space and everything like that. I just don't know if he's got enough in the tank. Now I could be completely wrong about that. I see him on, you know, um, Instagram and, and Twitter playing in these pro-ams and lighting guys up, but those are pro-ams. It's, I, I don't really take that stuff all that seriously. But then when we look at a guy like Carmelo Anthony, who a lot of people, myself included, I didn't think he had really much left in the tank, and now he's averaging, I think, like 17 or 18 points per game 
uh, since joining the Portland Trailblazers. So I know a lot of people are hot on the Jamal Crawford thing. A lot of people want to bring him in. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, I've always been a big fan of his. I remember in 2K13, I would play as the LA Clippers all the time. And in that game, um, anybody that played with me back in the day can attest that Jamal Crawford was a legitimate cheat code in that game. That dude could pull up from anywhere. Um, if he had a, a corner three, whether or not you had anybody all over him, once you got you know the timing of his jump shot down, that dude was absolutely automatic. I think it was either... 2K11 or 2K12 that Kyle Korver was really the same way the last time that he played for the Bulls. I don't remember what year that was, but in that game, Kyle Korver, man, was just absolutely automatic lights out. Um, that's my uh, NBA 2K uh, kind of uh, anecdote, I guess I guess you could say. Okay, so now the moment that you probably have not been waiting for, but the moment that I've been waiting for because um, I am a huge Aaron Gordon fan. Okay, if you go back, you listen to podcasts from the beginning of the season. um, I was saying that I didn't think Nikola Vucevic was going to make the all star team this year because I thought that's how big of a step forward that Aaron Gordon was going to take coming into this season. Had you asked me at the beginning of the season what I thought, you know, Aaron Gordon's stats were going to be for the year, I maybe I, I said this before, but I was guessing probably like you know, 18 to 21 points per game, seven rebound, seven rebounds, four assists, maybe a couple of steals. I thought, you know, he's going to continue the the great perimeter defensive play, which he has. Let's get that out of the way now. Uh, and I thought maybe he'll get to that, you know, 37, 38%, uh, you know, shooting from the three-point line that really is just going to um, take his game to another level uh, and just allow him to, um, you know, make the leap that we all thought he was going to take. I thought maybe, you know, the uh, the the ball handling and the dribble moves, his ability to drive and, and get to the rim, I thought all of that was going to come full circle. He talked at the beginning of the year that he feels like his defense, you know, has been great, but he's been waiting for the offense to catch up, and he said, and now it has. Well, I'm still waiting to see that, Right. Aaron Gordon for his career so far is a 12.5 points per game scorer. So far this year, he's sitting at 12.7 points per game. So far for his career, he's at 6.2 rebounds a game. So far to start the year, he's at 6.3 rebounds a game. 2.2 rebounds, uh, 2.2 assists for his career. So far, he's at 2.8. For his career, he's shooting 44.8% from the floor. So far to start this year, 40.6%. For his career, he's shooting 31.9% from the from the three-point line. This year, he's shooting just 28.1% from the three-point line. So th- this is what I'll say about Aaron Gordon, right? I I think he's a I think he's a great dude, but there I'm just at the point now where I'm I'm legitimately concerned. Now he's he's missed a few games, um, you know, to to start the season, so. Uh, he's played. He's played in 15 games, right? But I think now is the time to not pre- not press the panic button to press the concern button on Aaron Gordon. This is his. This is his sixth year in the league. Is that correct? Yes. This is his sixth year in the league now, uh, and the sixth year in the league. We keep saying, "Oh, he's only 24. He's only 24. He's only 24." But last year we saw, you know, a improvement in his 
decision making, which for the most part, I think he's held on to. Right. I don't really think he's you know made that much of an improvement as far as decision making goes from last year. Uh, still a you know great perimeter defender. Uh, can't take that away from him. But it's the other things that at this point, I just don't know if we're ever going to get there with Aaron. It's the dribble moves. Uh, whenever he's you know trying these crossovers or he's trying that slow-mo Euro step as he's trying to get to the lane where he's flailing his elbows and at times he's catching defenders, getting called for these offensive fouls, or he's just barreling into guys with his shoulder and they go flying. And then he, he's kind of surprised when he gets called for an offensive foul. Um, the dribble moves, um, the ability for him to, to finish at the rim, uh, you know, through contact, uh, his, his shooting. Um, these are all things that uh, nobody's worried about the defensive side of the ball with Aaron Gordon or his rebounding. You know, he's a solid rebounder. Um, but it's just the offensive side of things with Aaron Gordon that I just don't know uh, are ever going to come around to the point where the style of play that it appears like he wants to play, uh, whether or not he's ever going to have the skill set to back that up. Games, uh, I'll pull up his, his his game logs right now. I forget what game it was just a couple of weeks ago where he had 19 points in the first half. I think he at, uh, ended up with uh, maybe uh, 21 or, or 23 points. Maybe it was that Dallas game that he had 19 points in the first half. And all of those buckets were coming off of him, uh, you know, either getting a wide open jump shot or, you know, cutting to the basket, getting to the free throw line, Um these are all things that he excels at, right? Cutting to the basket, uh, and when he cuts well, gets a wide open look. Obviously, all he's got to do, you know, is dunk the ball, and he's there. Um, and then knock down open shots. He's got to be able to do that. So far, once again, shooting twenty eight percent from the three point line. That's not going to cut it. I used to be very comfortable with Aaron Gordon taking threes, and I'm at the point now where I'm just not as comfortable with him taking threes anymore. Um, but the other thing that has that I've been noticing really this year um, and is just kind of a, a growing concern with me is his body language at times. And when I say at times, it's basically when he's not playing particularly well individually. It usually doesn't matter how the team is performing. Uh, if the team is playing pretty poorly and he but he's playing pretty well, it seems like his body language, you know, he, he's got his head up. He's he looks like he's giving full effort. He always gives full effort. But just sometimes a player's body language uh, can give you, you know, maybe the illusion that maybe he's not playing as hard as he can be just because he doesn't, you know, visually uh, it, like his body language, he doesn't seem as engaged. You know, he's just kind of jogging back, you know, on offense. He kind of got his head down some of the times. Um, but even if the team is playing really well, if he's not playing particularly well, it's it's very common, uh, for me at least, for him to seem like he is disappearing from the game, right? Um, where he, he just does not seem as engaged or as aggressive and for me, that is just really a growing concern with Aaron Gordon. Um, the kid has all the potential in the world. Um, people are talking about trading him. I, I honestly, at this point, I, I really don't know. I think it's uh, a fair thing to ask ourselves: Would we be better off, you know, trading Aaron Gordon and, and bringing in someone like a D'Angelo Russell, who we've you know been tied to trade talks for you know months and months and months? 
maybe that's mostly you know fan speculation and, and what we might want. Um, but would we be better off with a guy like that coming in that is able to create their own shot? Would it help you know the the overall offense? Uh, but it probably would also hurt the defense as well, which is a, a strength and a you know uh, identity of this team. But at this point, I, I just am legitimately concerned about Aaron Gordon. So I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on that as well as you guys are listening to the podcast. Once you finish up this episode, uh, you know, let us know, you know, on social media and everything like that. How do you feel? Where is your level of concern right now with Aaron Gordon so far to, to start this season? Is he completely healthy? I, I don't know. Maybe he's got some kind of lingering injury that, you know, that that we're not, you know, uh, you know, aware of. Uh, and what am I saying? We know the guy's just coming, you know, off of a off of an ankle injury. But, um, yeah, it's just really uh, for the better part of this year right now. I just he has not really uh, reached that level. Um, that, you know, I, I thought he was going to be able to reach, you know, um, so far to start this year. Uh, but really, that's that's mostly all that I've got uh, so far this week. I want to remind you guys, uh, February 1st is a Saturday. The Magic are playing the Miami Heat at home, and we're putting an event together at the Amway Center. So if you want to be a part of that, if you want to buy tickets to that game, you can go to uh, thesixmanshow.com backslash Beat the Heat. If you can notice, I'm wearing one of our six-man show, uh, six-man dad hats. It's got the the six logo on the front there. If you'd like to check one of those out, you can go to the sixmanshow.com slash shop and check out all of our apparel and stuff there. Support the show. Little goes a long way. Also, if you guys like the show, if you enjoy the show, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen uh, to your, your podcast, that would be amazing as well. Uh, but yeah, so coming up in the next week here, let's take a look at the schedule as the Magic move forward here. I know we are headed to Cleveland pretty soon here, if I'm not mistaken. Let me pull this up. Like I said, this was not going to be uh, one of our, our normal episodes this week, but that is okay. Pulling up the full schedule right now. All right, so it looks like coming up on Tuesday, December 3rd, so the guys are probably going to be traveling tomorrow. We'll be at Washington at 7 o'clock. Then Wednesday, uh, we'll be back home to verse Phoenix. And then we'll finish up the week Friday, December 6th, at Cleveland at 7 o'clock. So uh, headed back to Cleveland. So I believe that is probably going to be the last time uh, that we see Cleveland for a while. Definitely the last time that we're going to be in Cleveland. Yeah, we won't see Cleveland again until... March 19th, uh, but that's another team that, that uh, plays very, very hard and uh, is never an easy out, so the guys will have to play well in order to win that game also. So, uh, But guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Six Man Show. That's going to end it for this week, and we will catch you next time. See ya! Thanks for listening to the Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!